0: The church is not, you know, a building, it's, it's people. You know, you don't long to see brick and mortar. Uh, you get a joy and a thrill when you see smiling faces and people. And so good to see some, uh, uh, some of our visitors and friends and um, just a great, great morning. Well, as you're turning back to Ephesians chapter 4, We're continuing in this kind of study of walking in a manner worthy of the calling, which is a call for us to apply God's word to our lives. So we want to make sure that we, um, you know, don't just go about our day in a a mentally lazy way or just go about it in a way that's just, uh, you know, going through the motions. I was thinking about, you know, the... Uh, the greek myth of sisyphus and he's one of my favorite characters and the story is one of my favorites since the the king of Kor- uh, corinth who's who's punished by by zeus he's punished by zeus and so w- what he has to do for the rest of his life is roll the big giant boulder up the hill and as soon as he gets it to the top it goes back down to the bottom and he's got to roll it and that's what he has to do for eternity and you know, So some people mis- mistake that for like, that's the, the great example of persistence. It's like, well, no, because there's no payoff. <laughs> it's just pure punishment. It's torture. Um, and, and so there's no victory. It's just an exercise of, of futility. It's an exercise in going up and down. There's no end result. There's no meaning. There's no meaning. Um, Einstein would say it in a different way. He would say, well, here's the definition of insanity. You know, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Um, I'll quote one of my favorite sages, my dad. Um, You might want to write this down. If you want to change, you got to change. Now that's deeper than you think. Um, but the fact is, if you want to change things, you can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. Well, that's actually insane. Um, and so make a change Do do something differently. Walk home a different way. Just do it a different way. Um, futility is that idea of it. It's just, it's the action is, is in vain. It's, it's, Pointless. It's got no use. That means there's, there's no value. There's no worth. It's like having a tree that literally bears no fruit. Right? And so, one of the things that we see consistently in the Scriptures, what we're definitely seeing in Ephesians 4, is this unequivocal message from the Lord God Almighty to us to obey. To change your lifestyle, to change the way you are, to walk now in a manner that is worthy of your calling, and we studied what that calling was, and that 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 great calling that was orchestrated by God's grace. This is not a suggestion. the The Bible is is, is it's not a book of you know here's here's some suggestions if if you feel like it. No, well, these are commands. These are exhortations. You know, when parents tell their children things, right? They're, 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 they're not asking them, they're, they're telling them this is what we need you to do. It's for their safety, it's for their life to be better. We see this again with teachers. Teachers are explaining to students this is what you need to do. Why? So that they grow and learn and understand and mature. We see it with coaches and players. Coaches want their players to perform. You know, they want to coach them up to make the corrections, the tweaks uh, for the things that they're doing wrong. It's no different from the Lord God Almighty. He looks down at mankind and says, Listen, you are called to a higher standard. Because Jesus died for you, that doesn't mean you just take that for granted. And you just say, well, Jesus is, you know, the son of God and he's so powerful and is, you know, the, the, the effective of his blood pays the price for all our sin. This is awesome. I can go and sin even more because he'll cover it even more. In fact, Romans says, no, may it never be. That's not what we're called to. We're actually called to not just a high standard, but the highest standard to be holy, like, like he is holy. To walk like, like Jesus walks. Instead, what do we see quite often? Well, we, we see excuses. We see excuses to live in the flesh. Well, yeah, but, but what about this? Why do I have to do it that way? You know, does God really say this? Um, we want to tweak and, and invent our, our own system. When really we should just be striving to, to do what God's calling us to do and asking us to do. And he lays it out so clearly. And today we're going to see um, a, another little passage of of warning. It's like, look, here, here's seven steps of what you don't want to do. Here's seven steps that will lead you to the wrong path, the path of destruction. These are seven paths of futility. Um, first, it's being in the dark from God. It's being excluded from God. It's being ignorant of God. It's having a hard heart towards God. It's being callous for God. It's living sensually before God and being impure against God. So these are the seven paths of futility that we want to avoid, that, that we shouldn't be walking like any longer, but so often we find ourselves still enslaved to. So turn back with me to Ephesians 4, starting at verse 17. And it launches again saying, this I say therefore, and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer, just as the Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind. So again, remember Ephesians 4, 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you've been called. So we're we're commanded, we're exhorted to walk this way, which is, again, to live this way, to consistently, actively, daily embody this lifestyle. Well, in chapter or verse 17, it says, well, don't walk the old way, walk the new way. So in Ephesians 4, we've been seeing like some of the, the new ways that we walk. We, we see that we walk with humility and, and gentleness and patience, showing forbearance, being diligent, right, and unified. That's Ephesians 4.3. We are reminded that we're of one body, one spirit, one hope, one calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptize, baptism. Uh, Ephesians 4.5, we're, we're even given spiritual gifts. Uh, Ephesians 4.11, He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We're called to pursue maturity. Uh, verse 13, until we attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to a measure of stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. We're to no longer be children tossed here and there by the waves, carrying about, carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming of false teachers. Verse 14. So here's a reminder. Then let me remind you that you are no longer like you were before. Now, here we see it in the phrase of, of Gentiles who are Gentiles. Well, remember you have two people in the world. You're either a Jew, or a Gentile, right? That's the way everybody was described in, in biblical terms. And so the Jew would be the one who follows Yahweh, follows God, follows the Word of God, follows the Ten Commandments, follows the Law of God. Everybody else is a Gentile. Well, when you see that phrase that you're no longer a Gentile, it's you're no longer the way you used to be. It's no longer the way of the world. No longer the way of the all kinds of godlessness and... Pagan and debauchery. Stop imitating the Gentiles. The world. You're on a different team. Remember we talked about that. You're you're no longer to conduct your daily life that way. That was the old guy. That was the the old person. You're a new creature in Christ. You're, You're to be... Born again. You may have been that way, but that's no longer the case. You're not, you're not to be that way anymore. That is a, a direct command. It's, n- it's not a suggestion. Why? It's, well, it's, it's futile. It, it's, it, it's pointless. It's vain. It, it leads to nowhere. It, it's intellectually and spiritually completely unproductive. And the futility of mind, it's, it's this distorted then view of life, the world, morality. And we see that very, very clearly today. We see a very, very distorted view of what right and wrong is, what morality is, what good and bad is, as the world defines it, right? As the Gentiles would define it. And so the launching port here, point here in verse 17 is don't walk that way. You used to be that way. Stop being that way. That way is, is futile. So the first step or the first futile direction and path is in the darkness. We're called not to be in the darkness of understanding. What's, well, what's darkness? Darkness is, well, the absence of light. It's, it's, it's blank. It's, you, you can't see. So the lights are off. You, you would be walking around, bumping into the walls. Um, You, you don't have any intellectual understanding. You're, you're in the dark. Well, Bible says you're not supposed to be in the dark, you used to be in the dark as a Gentile now you're in the light. you have understanding. Jonah and Jonah 4:11 and they were described the Ninevites were described as these people are so ignorant and so in the dark they don't know the right from their left that's how foolish they are and yet we saw how the Lord was able to transform them. Turn with me to Romans chapter one, Romans chapter one. So we get a kind of another look in this Romans chapter one, verse 21, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. And they became futile in their speculations. So as people contemplate, how did we get here? Who are we? Where are we going? What's our purpose? These are the speculations of our time, right? Even though they should have known God, they should see the sun. They should see Mount Rainier. They should see the the rivers, the lakes, and the trees and be in awe of God's creative hand. But no, instead of honoring God, they, they become futile. Useless in the speculations. They will speculate literally anything other than God the Creator. They will speculate that this could pop out of thin air rather than give a Creator the credit for it. Believe me, the earth is far more complicated than that phone. And yet, we're to believe that the earth just came from nothing. Well, this is a speculation, right? And their foolish hearts then were, were darkened. Their hearts were darkened, no light. Professing to be wise, they just became fools. And so we are reminded we're not to be fools. We're not to be like the world in our, our silly speculation. Be in the light. You, you, you have the, the reality of truth. It's been given to you. All the lights are on to see. So there should be no reason why you're there. And this is an encouragement, even though we're, we're lost in sin, we don't have to stay there. We don't have to stay like the Ninevites, not knowing our right from our left. No, we're, we've been given by grace, the, the knowledge and the awareness. And so don't be in the darkness. Well, the second feudal path is don't be then excluded from God. You don't have to be in the dark. It would come be with God. <clears throat> the idea of being excluded is like, you know, you have to keep out, right? You're not allowed in. It's closed to you. So you're banned. You're banned. Well, people of this day could understand that. Again, we've got the Gentiles and the Jews. Like, well, I'm a Gentile and I'm not a Jew. And so I guess I don't have the, the right, you know, birthright to be in the family of God. That was kind of the mindset um, there. You know, well, there are times where we've seen where where certain races or, or, or genders couldn't couldn't vote, right? You're, you're banned. You're, you're excluded from something. Well, in Christianity, you're, you're not excluded from God. But, but when you walk by choice in darkness, well, then you are putting yourself in a place where you're excluding yourself from God. Ephesians 2, going back a couple chapters, and Ephesians 2, 11 says it like this, Therefore, remember that you, formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision, by the so-called circumcisions, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at a time separate from Christ. You, You were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no living hope. Because you're excluded, because you're strangers, you don't have any hope. And you're without God in the world. But now, but now... In Christ Jesus, you were formerly far off, having been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, that in himself he might make the two into one new man. thus, establishing peace and might reconcile them both into one body to God through the cross by having been put together by enmity. So, we don't have to be excluded from God any longer. The the cross was supposed to unite us into one. But when you reject the cross, when you reject Christ, when you decide to walk like the old self, like the the old way, the Gentile way, well, then you're not on God's team. You are excluded from God. Isaiah 59, it's our sin, our sin that separates us from God. Remember um, Habakkuk one thirteen. God can't look upon sin. Sin is the the ultimate divider and separator between man and God. God's desires to tabernacle with us. God's desires to reside with us. It's our sin that then creates the separation in two ways. One, God doesn't look upon sin. And two, we in our shame run from him, right? What do you do when you sin? You hide it. You hide from the people you love. You hide from the people who could keep you accountable. You hide from the people who, like iron sharpens iron, could, could rebuke you and admonish you and restore you. Sin is the ultimate separator. It creates division and exclusion. Union with Christ is its a privilege. It's a privilege. And grace then unites us. So... In Ephesians three six, as we learned a couple weeks ago, and, and I and I and I love how it's phrased here. This great mystery that's unveiled to us, and to be specific, verse six, that the Gentiles are now fellow heirs, no longer excluded, fellow members of the body, no longer excluded, fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. What a beautiful picture. There's no reason for us to walk on a different path. Why, why would we walk on a different, why would we walk on a path that would lead us into the darkness and exclude us from God? Well, the third futile path is being ignorant, being ignorant of God. Again, in verse eighteen, because of the ignorance that is in them. Well, what ignorance? Or what is ignorance? Ignorance is, you know, being uneducated. It's it's the idea of not knowing. You, you just don't have any knowledge. You 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 haven't been taught, right? You're ignorant. Um, it didn't used to be a an automatic uh, put down. Uh, the guy lived in the country. You know, he didn't know how to read and write, and he's just ignorant. It's just kind of the way it is. Now it's, well, it's by choice, isn't it? There's no reason why people don't know how to read and write. There's no reason why people would be uneducated, without knowledge, and untaught. 1 Corinthians 2.8 says that that, that they they lack the, the, the wisdom, which is why they killed Christ. Because without knowledge, they... Here comes Jesus, well, you haven't studied the scriptures, you haven't you know been following um, the scriptures, and so when Christ Jesus comes and he performs miracles and he's fulfilling you know prophecy left and right, they don't even know what's going on. He's just some guy walking down the road or riding a donkey. no clue they're ignorant. Well, the bad thing about ignorance is hebrews five two says is, Ignorance then misguides you. It will put you on the wrong path. You will be in going in the, the wrong direction. And again, unfortunately, as Hebrews 9.7 says, look, even your sin ig- in ignorance, you're still accountable. You're still accountable. Remember the unknown sin that we made sacrifice for in the Old Testament? You're accountable for everything. It, you know, ignorance is no you know, exception to the law. The officer pulls you over walls, so I didn't see the sign. I didn't know. Ignorance isn't an exception. It's not an excuse. And so in ignorance, the Gentiles then are walking down their path. The unbelievers are walking down their path. And it leads to a lack of understanding right this this darkness this exclusion it it leads to ignorance it leads to an a, a lack of basic understanding and you think well no the the world is smarter than the church right the church is so archaic and with their old traditions and you know that they, the church doesn't believe in science and you know this kind of nonsense it's like well yeah if, If science is the new science, then I don't believe in it. If if the new science, which doesn't understand the difference between a male and a female, um, basic biology, or the the new science that doesn't understand what reproduction is, don't understand what a a beating heart is of life, um, doesn't understand just kind of some basic things that we've, known forever well then no that's not the kind of science that that i believe in well that's that's then considered ignorant well no they're the ignorant ones they're the ones who don't understand that that there's a god who created things and set these things in motion that there's order in his creation all the great scientists of the past began with that starting point and it helped them to find their discoveries that helped them to be able to say, look, we know that there are fixed things. Everything is not just subjective and changing and no, there's some fixed things. And once you have those fixed things, then they can be replicated and we can advance. It's a beautiful thing really should be something that we we um, pursue. And study and learn more and more about, but it's become more of a, of a religion because people have allowed themselves to be caught up in, in a lack of knowledge, not in real knowledge. And so starts with science and then it goes, well, what about morality? Well, I don't, I don't know. Morality is subjective too, um, so, you know, if I get mad, then I can justify looting. I can justify, you know, burning the place, you know, burning it down. I can justify violence. I can justify, well, I guess anything. Which, which makes you wonder, hey, you know, if you were eight years old and you were, um, you know, beaten as a child, do you, do you get like a little get out of jail free card? Then now you could just walk around town and do whatever you want because you had a rough childhood? I mean, that would be absurd, but that's, that's what is essentially being um, dismissed. We see the ideas then of, 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 of in Acts 3, let's look at Acts 3 real quick. In Acts 3, we see the brethren, this is the, the new Christians, Christianity is, is just kind of taking flight and. Acts 3, 17 begins this way. And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. So the sad thing is, is when your rulers are ignorant, when your teachers are ignorant, when your scientists are ignorant, when the leadership of the world is ignorant, well, guess what? You're probably going to be ignorant too. And now, brother, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, remember, God had laid out to the prophets and in the scriptures that Christ was going to come and that Christ was going to suffer. I mean, read Psalm 22. That is, Christ should suffer. He has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and return that your sins may be wiped away in order that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus, the Christ appointed to you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration. All things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. Moses said, the Lord God shall raise up for you a prophet like me. From your brethren, to him you shall give heed in everything he says you do. See, God had tried to enlighten mankind and people and bring people out of the dark and give them his word and give them prophets so that they would not be excluded from the kingdom of heaven. Remember, if we really study the scriptures, we'll see that it wasn't only Jews that were saved throughout the history of mankind. We see a whole nation of Ninevites that are saved. We we see, you know, people um, uh, like Rahab that are saved. And so there's there's non Jews that are being saved, but <clears throat> as as people were walking through time and and allowing themselves to remain in darkness, we see here just well, this is why that they were in darkness because they allowed themselves to be ignorant. It's no different than us. We've got the Word of God right here. It's printed in all kinds of versions. It's got big giant print if you've got bad eyes. Um, There's no reason for you to be ignorant of the Scriptures. God doesn't want you to be ignorant. God wants you to be with full knowledge. It's futile to be ignorant. It's dangerous to be ignorant. It allows, it allows then... Back to Ephesians, it allows you to be immature as a child in you know, Ephesians 4.14. It allows you to be carried away by every kind of wind and doctrine. It allows you to be tricked by men. It allows you to, be, to fall to deceitful scheming. Um, so don't be ignorant. Well, the fourth lesson that we see here, the path to fertility, is having a hard heart. Having a hard heart. Well, what is that? Because of the hardness of heart. Again, the hard heart is, is it's supposed to be kind of the, 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 the lifeblood of who you are, right? And so the example here is, well, you are hard. You're unfeeling. You have this cold attitude, unsympathetic, not caring to what? To the things of God. So so instead of no longer walking like a Gentile, you're actually hardening your heart towards God. Um, It's a response against God. Turn with me to to Mark 3. We see kind of what that looks like with the Pharisees. Again, these are people who are supposed to know better. They're people who are supposed to um, not be ignorant, but understand the word. In Mark 3, 1, we see this, and he entered again into the synagogue, that is Jesus. Jesus entered, in, entered again into the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they were watching him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath, and in order that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, rise and come forward. And he said to them, is it lawful? on the sabbath to do good or to do harm to save life or to kill but they kept silent and after looking around at them with anger grieved at their hardness of heart he said to the man stretch out your hand and stretch it out and his hand was restored and the pharisees went out immediately and began taking counsel with the herodians against him as to how they might destroy him hardness of heart what does it do it it, Again, it blinds you to where you can't even see. Here's Jesus healing people. And the Pharisees have allowed their heart to become so hard, they can't see the miracle. They can't see the good. And the response is to kill Jesus. See, the, the, the heart is it's no longer beating. It's like a rock in there. The heart's supposed to be pumping the blood, supposed to be giving you life, giving you energy, giving you excitement. But instead, they've, they've allowed it to just make themselves dull of hearing. For emphasis, verse 19 in Ephesians 4, and our fifth example of, of the feudal path is, is a calloused, a calloused person. Not only is your heart hard. But now you've become calloused. It's insensitive. We 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 kind of see a doubling down here. First year it's a, it's a hard heart and a calloused person. It's re- repeated for emphasis and to kind of point out a, a, a different perspective. What well, what's a callus? Um, my calluses aren't as as good as they used to be when I used to play baseball. I was proud of my calluses. I didn't need wimpy batting gloves. You know, well, girls need batting gloves. No offense, girls, but it's like, I have man hands. I could look at my hands and I had calluses on, on all, you know, my, my hands kind of look like a, a, a little bears, you know, a little bear cub. And my favorite one was the callus that just kind of ran all the way down that, that way. It was, it's like, that was different. You know, because the way I held my bat was with my my finger up like that. Well, I was proud of that because that was a a repetition over time of swing after swing after swing. Well, what would happen is then it would develop another layer of skin after you'd get them all blistered up first. Um, but then it would harden and it would get thick and then you didn't need leather gloves or anything like that because you had no feeling in there anymore. Well, what's being described here is look, you've become like, like leather hands. There's, there's no feeling. There's no emotion there. And over time you've become insensitive. Well, it's good when you don't want blisters because blisters sting and hurt and bleed. It's not good when it's talking about you in your life. You're not to walk like the Gentiles. You're not supposed to be callous callous to God's Word, callous to understanding. Not supposed to to be callous to a desire to want to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. It's amazing. You know, you ask people things like, you you know, hey, are you a believer? Oh, yeah, I'm a believer. Oh, that's great. Have you been baptized? No, I haven't been baptized. Oh, well, you should be baptized. Believers get baptized. Why do I have to get baptized? It's like, well, the attitude of the challenge of why you want to get baptized is then what I would question. And what, why, why do you, why are you hard to this? Why are you callous to this idea? Um, You should be soft to it. You should have a desire to, well, what's that? Is that a Christian thing? Well, I want to do that. Do we get t-shirts? I want to wear that. Right. I mean, that's the way you, you should be. What do Christians do? I want to do that. Where do they go? I want to go there. What don't they do? I don't want to do the, that, that. You should be, have this great desire rather than the opposite of just being still hard and, and creating like this, this barrier between you and God. That will lead to destruction. Well, the sixth fetal path is sensuality. Sensuality. Well, we should probably skip that because that's not an issue today. Um, sensuality is one of the leading paths of destruction today. Now, here's the here's the thing. Sensuality is like that public display of lewdness, you know, where you flaunt it around. You do it, sexual promiscuity, uh, loose morals. And we tend to think, oh, today it's so bad. It's so horrible. It's, it's everything sexualized. Yes, yes, and yes. But you know, nothing new is under the sun. There is nobody who is more sensual than the Greeks and the Romans. And it's an amazing thing when you study and see that this, this turning over of a society, when they turn over, to sensuality instead of being concerned about farming right and fishing and getting your work done and 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 making sure you're providing and taking care of your family what does their focus become and it should be no shock to us that two of the strongest civilizations the greeks and the romans they became so big so powerful so comfortable that that turns into then this this woe well, we don't have to focus on work. Let's focus on ourselves. It's the the ultimate hedonism, self-indulgence, self-pleasure, seek pleasure, seek physical pleasure, and so often it comes in the form of satisfying and gratifying, you know, your your bodily appetites in this idea of sensuality. In Proverbs, we see it again. This is nothing new. We see it in Proverbs. You're supposed to avoid that woman, right? Well, here we are. Ephesians 4, being warned about walking in a path like the Gentiles that that has that mindset, the eyes, the heart, the mind of of being a person of, of sensuality and the flaunting of it. And what do we see today? Um, the clothing, the language, uh, the TV, the art. It's, it's interesting. You look at the Greek and the Roman art, and it's, um, it, it's pornographic. I mean, we think we have a problem with that today. Uh, they did then too. It's the Dark Ages are dark because, well, the people of the Renaissance redefined them because they didn't like their art. They were just building a bunch of churches and cathedrals and you know, things like that. In the Renaissance, most of their paintings had a bunch of Jesus pictures and halos. Unlike the Greeks and the Romans who were constantly making statues and, and, and figures of sensuous things, which is what we see today. Turn the TV on, open up a magazine, drive down the road, look out your window. Um, in first Timothy, we're given the instructions for, for women and leadership and to, to be modest. And that's something that we have to preach and talk about all the time today to, our, to especially to our young ladies, because the, the definition of modesty and, and the level of that is so low that, you know, to suggest that you wear clothing is like, well, that's ridiculous. I mean, nowadays, it's why? Well, because we've, as Hosea four ten says, we're we're in sensuality. You're 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 playing the whore. Um, and in Hosea it says even to the point where where they they didn't want to, you know, have have children. Hmm, that's funny, because we have a society now that wants to essentially every child has to go to college. That's where you get really real knowledge, right? No, it's where you go to become more ignorant, be in the dark. Um, but you know, if you're worldly, then you have to go to college and what's going to happen in college nowadays. Oh, well, uh, that's where you get to sow your oats. That's where everything goes, right? You get to live like cats live and animals. You just go and do whatever you want out there outside. There's no consequences. And if there's a consequence, you know what? Then we'll abort that consequence. Um, There's a direct result of of this attraction to sensuality. And, And people then in a society that's turned itself over to that. And then we have, to, we have to fight against that. We have to fight against that. We have to say we no longer are going to walk down that path. We're not going to walk like the Gentiles. We don't date like the Gentiles. We don't look for the same type of people that the Gentiles are. We have different moral standards than the Gentiles. Or do we just say, well, that's just the way it is now. No, that's not the way it is now. That's a dark path that we're commanded not to walk. That's a futile path. Change your mindset. Change your mindset. It's just another way of, of re, renaming or calling yourself God. You are going to do what you want to do to please you. And it's going to start with this physical pleasure. And, and make no mistake, it is it is a struggle. You have to be careful with that. It, it's not a game. It's not a game. Well, finally, we see here in uh, chapter 9, and it extends from sensuality, but it also to um, number 7, Impurity, impurity against God. And this thing covers really everything. Not just sensuality, but everything that's impure, everything that's unclean. It has that idea in the Old Testament that these are the clean things, these are the dirty things. The things of the Lord, the, the things of the law are clean. All else is dirty, debased, it's contaminated, it's polluted. I mean, if we were going to have a potluck and, you know, we had like things labeled so well here's the dirty meat Uh, would you take it is that the meat you wanted no this is the impure juice she's got a little bit of rat poison in it just a little bit i think you're gonna make it maybe maybe not i don't know well we'll, we'll, that's what we're doing this is the game that that we think we're playing with God. This is the game we think we're playing with God, that we're gonna redefine the terms. No, God makes the terms. He's saying, Look, you, you need to walk in a different way. I'm going to lay that pathway out. Why? Why should I do that? I'm the petulant child, right? Why should I do that, God? Uh, you said the gift was free. Now you're putting restrictions on that. The gift was free. The gift is free. The response is, are are you going to live in a way worthy of that gift? It'd be like if you received an inheritance from your your grandfather. Your grandfather's a great man, a noble man, worked hard for what he had, well known in, in the community, a moral man, a virtuous man. And it's like, here's this free gift. You get it no matter what. He's dead. The trust is in your name. Wouldn't you want to live up to that name? You got the same last name as him. You want to carry out that name. In fact, what would you want to do? You want to expand it, right? You you would want to expand that. Walking in a manner worthy of that gift, of that calling. That's what's being explained to us here in chapter 4. And then to double down, don't. Walk like you used to walk. I know you used to be that way. You used to be that way. Jesus died to pay the price for that way. Now it's time to transition. Now it's time to walk in a different way. Not in an impure way, living against God. Colossians 3, 1-9. through 9. If you then have been raised up with Christ then keep seeking the things above the higher calling, the worthy calling where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Then set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. Why do we keep setting our mind on the things like the Gentiles? We have to remove ourselves from that. Run if we have to, for you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ and God when Christ, who is our life, Christ, who is our life. I remember when they came out with these shirts, baseball is life. Oh man, I wanted that shirt so bad. Because you know why? Baseball was my life. Baseball was my life, it was my God. If you had asked me then, you know, the whole sell your soul, the devil thing, I I would not have been able to sign fast enough. Fast forward and to think the things I would have given up for that is, I can't even, can't even fathom that. But now Christ is your life. Have you exchanged other things? Have other things gotten in the way and blinded you? Stupid things like baseball? or a car or a house or whatever. Christ is our life is revealed. Then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Therefore, since Christ is your life, consider the members of your earthly body as dead. To what? Well, to immorality. You're supposed to be dead to the dirty things. You're supposed to be dead to the impure things. Dead to the passion and evil desire and greed, which amounts to idolatry for it is on account of these things that the wrath of God will come. Do you hear that? The wrath of God will come. In Ephesians 419, it says that not to practice every kind of impurity with greediness, not only practice, but with greediness. So we don't just do it a little bit. We do it like with this aggressive, aggressive, covetous, like we can't get enough. I want more of it. Think about that for a second. Here's this impure, dirty, unclean, sinful, sensuous thing. And what do you want? More. Is that not? what we see on a day-to-day basis. We're called here not to live that way Verse seven, and in them you also once walked and when you were living in them, but now you also put them all aside, put that junk aside. Well, yeah, not just immorality impurity, passion, evil desires and greed, but also anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech. Don't lie to one another you you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. Why we have been born again. We walk in a manner worthy of the calling. We put on the new self first ten, what, what's the new self first twelve, and so, as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, put on kindness. Put on humility, put on gentleness, put on patience, bear with one another, forgive one another. Not suggestions. These are not suggestions. You fight, you fight to put off the old ways and to put on the new. Cause it will be a fight. Some things are easier than others. Some things are a daily battle and may and might be a daily battle for the rest of your life. You know what you do? You keep fighting. And you have a higher calling. Not giving into it, but having a higher calling and, and if daily repenting of that. Our ultimate goal, our ultimate goal is to be like Christ. Who's perfect? who's pure, and who's golly. That's our goal. That's our goal. Not to walk in this path of futility, but to walk in the newness of life. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for...